Wednesday nights are a little different. Again, it's called our equipped service, and it, it's for good reason. Because we want to help, the, help you, the congregants, to go the second mile, to develop and to increase your Bible knowledge, to increase your faith, and increase your walk with Jesus Christ. Not only that, but... We all right? <laughs> but to equip and prepare you to find uh, your niche, to find a place that you can serve in a ministry, that you too may become a part of the body of Christ. We also want to encourage you to, to bring your Bibles on Wednesday night so that you can follow along with us through the message. And um, we can really experience God's Word um, for ourselves. And together we can learn God's Word and actually apply it in our lives. Amen? Amen. Now, if you've been attending our Sunday services, for the past weeks, Pastor Sheldon has been speaking on being focused. Being focused. And he mentioned that this is our year of being focused. And we need to focus on, on the purpose. The purpose of why we attend church. The purpose of who we've become as the church. The body of Christ. He also spoke to us about being motivated. And he said that the greatest motivator is love. And, and I, I agree with him. Love can motivate us to do Anything. Proof in point. Love motivated me to get married. Mm-hmm. That's right. Why? Because I love my, my girlfriend, my fiance, whatever. But she's now my wife. <laughs> yeah. But it was because of love that motivated us to get married. Yeah, baby. <laughs> I, I told her that so she would agree tonight. <laughs> but of course, good looks had a lot to do with that. And I'm talking about her, not me. Okay? But love will motivate you to do things. And then this past Sunday, Pastor spoke to us on the greatest comebacks. And for many of us, we've made radical comebacks in our life. We found true agape love to Jesus Christ. And we've made great comebacks. Well, this is our year of focus, and tonight, I want to speak to you about staying focused on who you are as the body of Christ, who you are as the church, and what God is asking us to do as the church. How we can begin to step up, step up and step out of our comfort zones and serve God and serve His people. Many of us may ask the question, well, how do I know when it's time for me to to step up and serve because uh, right now I, I don't feel like I can do it. And for those of you who, those of us who are already serving, I want to encourage you tonight. To, how do you encourage those people? How do you encourage people when they don't feel like they got it to serve God? I remember when Pastor Alex um, encouraged me and he asked me a question. He said, Charlie, you ever thought about becoming one pastor? And I remember in some of his sermons that he spoke about how he became a pastor. And how someone asked him this, the same question. And what his answer was, he said no to the calling. But then God made him to become a, a wonderful, wonderful pastor. So when he asked me the question, I said, hey, bro, no try to trick me. 
I know what you like me to say. You like me to say no so that God do the same thing he did to you, to me. So I thought about it and said, eh, I don't know, Pastor. I'm really not ready. I don't know if I'm even capable of becoming a pastor. But it was God who, who put that unction into Pastor Alex's heart because he continued to pursue me in this. So one day I get a call and, um, from Pastor Pauline and I'm in the mall. Uh, with my wife shopping, and Pastor Pauline says, uh, Charlie, um, Pastor Alex would want to meet with you. And I'm thinking, oh boy, here we go. So, long story short, I, I, I meet with Pastor Alex, and, and he offered me a job as the cook for the church. Now, I wasn't ready for that one, and I said, what the church need one cook for? You know? Who cooks? But it was something that I had a passion for. It was something that I, I loved to do. I loved to cook. So it was right down my alley. And, and so I accepted the job. And then he tells me this. Um, by the way, you need to raise your own team so that people can help you in, 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 in the kitchen. And right away I'm thinking, man, who like cook in the kitchen? Everybody like be on the worship team, in the front of the stage, in front of everybody. But God is faithful, isn't he? But he also has a sense of humor. <laughs> so God sends me this wonderful people to serve with me. And then two years later, after you know, getting all the team together, I'm at Hilo Hall. And I'm hosting the, the Christmas party for, for our food service ministry. And we invite Pastor Alex and his wife, Berna. And there's about 60 people there. And I invite him to come up and say something. And he goes up. And he doesn't challenge me. He looks at me and he says, I challenge all you guys for challenge him to become one pastor. <laughs> and I looked at him and said, put me on the spot, Lara. <laughs> but here's my point. Sometimes we may feel like we're not ready to do ministry. We're not equipped or we're not able or we don't have the smarts or the education to step into a ministry, a ministry. or not enough confidence and and we put ourselves down, don't we? Listen, if God is calling you to serve in the ministry, He's already placed it. He's already prepared. He's already placed it in your heart. And we may resist the call because of, of some self-issues. But if it's God's will for your life, let me tell you this. His will will be done. It will. No matter how much I try to deny the call in my life, God still got His way. Took two and a half years, but he got his way. Tonight I want to share with you a life of a man who, who stepped up. And that's what we're talking about, stepping up tonight. He stepped up and served, even when times were difficult. His name was Shamgar. Shamgar. And in the book of Judges, and you could turn your, your Bibles there to Judges chapter 3. And I'm just going to give you the story as you guys turn there. Judges chapter 3. And here's what's happening. The people of Israel were led by judges appointed by God in those days. Men and women who, whom God called to lead his people. Now many of us, you've been reading the Bible and you remember Joshua. Joshua uh, was a servant that served with Moses. And then when Moses passed away, Joshua became the leader of Israel. And Joshua led, led the, the people into the promised land. And God was with Joshua, and, and, 
And Joshua fought off all the adversaries within the land. He fought against the Hittites, the, the Moabites, the, the Amalekites, the, the Parasites, and even the Termites. <laughs> he fought against all these guys and he defeated them all. And, and he conquered the land. And then he divided the land among the tribes of, of Israel. And Joshua dies. And then all the, the elders and the leaders who served with him passed away and they, they died. And then what happened was the people forgot Joshua and they forgot God. And they began to worship other gods, the gods of the land, which stirred the anger of the Lord up. So, so Israel did evil in the sight of God. And every time Israel did evil before the Lord, they, they would cry out to the Lord. They'd cry out to him. And God, being the merciful God that he is, would hear the cry of his people. And then he would send a deliverer, judges of those days, to guide Israel back into his righteousness. And then peace would once again be restored upon the land. But that would only last for a while until the judge of those days passed away. There was no guidance after that, and the people would once again fall back into their evil ways, into their wicked ways, and forget God. Well, in the book of Judges chapter 3, God sends Othniel and Ehud to lead them. They do well, and, and peace is once again restored in Israel only until the judges die. And again, the people would turn to their wicked ways. And if you look in that chapter, Judges chapter 3, verse 31, the very last verse. It talks about a man named Shemgar. And I'm going to read from the NIV version. It says, After Ehud came Shamgar, son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox code. He too saved Israel. That's it. That's all that's mentioned about this guy until chapter 5, verse 6 of Judges. Where it states that in the days of Shemgar, the people chose to travel the winding roads instead of the open roads. Because there were thugs and, and thieves robbing and, and plundering the people on the streets. And the word only talks about Shemgar's valor and how he stepped out, how he defeated 600 Philistines. That's all they talk about this guy. Shamgar, although little is mentioned about this guy, his name was written in God's word as a man who saved Israel. It says a lot. It also says, after Ehud came Shamgar. So what I see from that is, after Ehud had passed away, somebody had to step up. So Shamgar stepped up and he served well. And the first thing we can learn from Shemgar to step up and to serve, to step out of our comfort zone, is this. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Number one, he served where he was at. He served exactly where he was at. But where was he? What was his starting point to, to stepping up? Well, Shemgar lived in a time when his life was uncomfortable. Life isn't always easy. He was living in a time when his property and the property of his family and his, his countrymen were being threatened and in jeopardy. 
Israel had many enemies in those days, and war broke out, and thieves and thugs were on the streets. They were destroying people, taking away uh, their possessions. Israel was at the mercy of the Philistines. Their lives were being threatened, and, and, and someone, someone had to step up and do something about it. Now, Shemgar could have seen himself as incapable or unworthy and, uh, and useless, uneducated and hopeless, but he chose not to. I'm sure he had thoughts of doubt and he had thoughts of fear going through his mind because of the situations that, that was around him, but he decided to do something about the circumstance, to do something just where he was. Now, I confess, I've doubted my abilities when I was called to be a pastor many a times. And because of my doubt, it, it, it only helped me back from what God wanted to do within my life. My lack of confidence seemed to be my weakness. And I questioned God and, and I questioned my capabilities and my abilities to become a pastor. But here's what I would say. Let's not allow and learn from this. Let's not allow our flesh to, to get in the way of what God's trying to do in you. Don't let your flesh get in the way. You know, I love to pray, especially with a, with a group of people, and we're just praying in, in the prayer room. And um, I don't know about you, but have you ever been in a, a group of prayer where you're in a circle and you're holding hands and, and everybody's praying and um, we're all praying for God's will, you know, and everybody's praying. And then all of a sudden, you, the Holy Spirit speaks to you. And He tells you... Um, Pray this specific prayer for this specific thing. And then all of a sudden, your thoughts come in, your flesh kicks in, and you're thinking, man, is that me or is that God? Is that even God talking to me? And then it's your turn to pray, and, and you doubt yourself. So you pray, and, and you don't pray the prayer that God has just told you to pray. Because you may be shy, or you may be timid, or, or lack of confidence and faith. So you don't pray the prayer. And then right after you're done praying... The next person next, right next to you, he starts to pray. And he prays the prayer that you were just asked to pray. And you want to kick yourself in the butt. Because you just lost an opportunity. And you're thinking, man, you just would steal my prayer. You just would steal my prayer. That was my prayer. <laughs> because we lose and we feel like we lost an opportunity. But God gives us... A lot of opportunities. To serve. And if self-pride gets in our way, we, we miss out on what God is, is blessing. We miss out on His blessing. Not only for you, but for your countrymen, for your people, for the church. If you're being disobedient to what God is calling you to do. If you want to serve in the body of Christ. And I'm sure it wasn't easy for Shemgar to step up. It must have been very stressful for him. But he chose to overcome his stress. He committed himself to God and he stayed focused on what God's will and God's purpose was for his life. And he did what he needed to do. He didn't give up. He didn't give in to his fleshy ways. He didn't wait for the right opportunity or the perfect circumstance to step up. All he knew is that there was a need, and Ehud wasn't there. 
So he started serving just where he was. He didn't allow his weakness to stop him. You know, the communists say, only the weak need God. But the truth is, everybody is weak. Everybody has faults. So everybody needs God. Amen? Amen. The book of Judges say, God put his spirit upon the leaders in spite of their weaknesses. Listen, beginning to serve within our weaknesses isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. Because it can lead to a God thing. You see, folks, God is not looking for perfection. He's looking for willing hearts. And hearts that would admit our imperfection. And I'd be the first to admit I'm not perfect. I have faults. God can do anything when we let our pride go and admit Our weaknesses. Our weaknesses will present itself. And pride will keep us from doing what God calls us to do. But in our humility, when God breaks our hearts for His, He will reveal to us His grace. And His grace has an effect within us. And it destroys our pride. And it produces humility within us. God is never looking for perfection. He's looking for humbled hearts. And James 4, 6 states it this way. But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God oppresses the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Shamgar didn't wait until he got a thousand guys to join his army to go and defeat the Philistines. He saw a need and he did what he needed to do. He did what needed to be done. And you and I don't have to wait for things to get right, for things to get better, before we begin to step up and serve and encourage others. There are many opportunities in the church and areas for you to begin serving. You don't have to wait for a perfect situation to serve. What you can do for God, do it now. Do it just where you are. God is looking for a servant's heart, not a perfect heart. Another thing I noticed about Shamgar's servant's heart is this. Number two, if you're taking notes, he served with what he had. He served with what he had. Well, what did he have? He had an ox goat in his hand. And an ox goat is a long staff that's about 8 to, to 10 feet long, about Two inches in diameter, and it's used to, to prod the, the oxen to, to make them move. He didn't have a sword. He didn't have a spear or, or a perfect weapon. He didn't need one. And he used what he had in his hand. And a lot of times we, we think that we need a lot of things before we can start to serve. We may not have the proper resources or or the right education, but we can start just where we are and use what we have. Especially if you have this, the Spirit of God in your life. In our devotional reading, we're in the book of Exodus, and last week we, we read about how God spoke to Moses in the wilderness through the burning bush. 
He told Moses this. He was to return to Egypt to confront Pharaoh and lead the Hebrews out of slavery. What did Moses do? What we usually do. He immediately goes into his excuse mode. Who, me? Who am I that I should do this, Lord? I don't have what it takes to do what you're asking me to do. But look at what God asked Moses after he got through making up his excuses. Exodus 4.2 says this. The Lord asked Moses, what is in your hand? What is in your hand? Then Moses replied, all I have is this shepherd's staff. That'll do, God said. Show your staff on the ground. And when Moses obeyed God, the staff turned into a snake. Then God told Moses, pick it up by the tail, and he did, and it turned back into a, to a staff. And You know what's so funny? I read that, and I said, what if God told him, hey, pick him up by the, by the head? I wonder if Moses would, would obey. What are you talking about, Lord? I wonder if he would obey. But Moses obeyed, and God does protect us. That's why he said, pick it up by the tail. All Moses had was a shepherd's staff in his hand. And it became a tool that God used to turn the Nile River into blood. And he brought many plagues upon Egypt just through that one staff that Moses had in his hand. And it was a staff that God used to, to part the Red Sea. To free the Hebrews from the Egyptians forever. And God did many other miracles in the wilderness with what Moses held in his hand. That shepherd's staff wasn't much. But when it was dedicated to God, it became a mighty, mighty tool that God used. The question is, what do you have in your hand for you to begin to serve Him? Because if you're dedicating it to the Lord, He's getting ready to use you. What has God given you to serve Him and His people with? God has given each of us special gifts and talents that that we're able to use for the work of the ministry. What's your talent? What's your gift? What do you have in your hand? You know, I heard a lot of stories about people who suffer with, with physical handicaps, and yet they are willing to serve. People without arms serve. People without legs, they serve. People who are blind serve, and they serve with joy. And because they got a willing heart, they serve successfully. Now, I heard a man speaking on, on the television one day, and, and he had a bad case of, of palsy. And as he was speaking to his crowd, he challenged them with this question. He said, I have palsy. What's your excuse? And that really hit my heart. You know, God gave us gifts. Maybe your gift is in the area of cooking. Or well, Eugene, our kitchen manager, is always looking for people to help him in the food service ministry. Or maybe you've got the, the, some gifts in administration skills. Our front office is always looking for people to help them. Or well, maybe your gifting is um, working with your hands and with tools. You're a handyman. Well, Tom Krieger is always looking for help. This place is a big place. This property is huge, and it takes a lot to maintain this church. 
we're always looking for people to help us. Maybe you've, you've got a wonderful voice and uh, you enjoy singing. Then go see Pastor Jerry and talk to him about becoming a member of our worship team. There's a lot of areas that you can serve in the church. And God wants to use you in the gift that he gave you. The question is, will you use it or will you bury it? There's a parable of the servants whom the master entrusted them with certain amounts of talents. To one he entrusted five talents and to another uh, two talents and then another one talent. Well, the servant with the five talents went out and he worked hard and, and he doubled the master's talents. So did the servant with the two talents. But the servant with the one talent buried his talent and it yielded no increase. Well, after some time, the master returns and he checks on the servants and the account of their talents. And he goes to the servant with the five talents and he asks the servant, what did you do? He said, master, I went out and I worked hard and look, I doubled the five to ten. And so did the servant with the two talents. All the master praised the servants and said, well done, thy good and faithful servants. Let's celebrate Then the master approaches a servant with the one talent, and the servant told his master, Master, I knew to be a harsh man, and and you reap what you do not sow. So so I hid my talent, and here it is. The master was furious. He said, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew me to be a harsh man, but you should have just invested it in a bank. At least at my return, I would have some interest on that talent. And the master took that talent and gave it to the servant with ten talents. Now, I don't know about you, but I never want to hear those words spoken to me, you wicked and lazy servant. I don't want God to remove the gift that he entrusted me with only to take it away and give it to someone else. What talent or talents has God placed in your hand? And are you going to use it? Or will you bury it? There are some key people in the Bible that use just what they had in their hands. King David used what he had in his hand. As a young boy, he used a sling to defeat Goliath. You guys remember the boy at the feeding of the 5,000? All he had in his hand was five loaves of bread and two fish. And they fed 5,000 plus people. Samson used just the jawbone of a donkey. God can use anything. What is it for you? What do you have? You see... I don't want you to wait for an ideal circumstances or for the proper supplies to serve. Let's not wait for the master to give you something that you already have in your hand. Use what you have. Shamgar was very successful in his serving because he served where he was. And then he used what he had. And then if you're taking notes, number three... He did what he could. He did what he could. 
Martin Luther King said this, My job is to do the best I can. The rest is in God's hand. I think that's a great perspective to have. We can only do what we can, although for some of us, we want to do more than we can. And that's a good thing, but sometimes we burn ourselves out, don't we? But you know what the major problem is? Is, is most Christians, they want to just exercise in the gifts that they do not have. Because of envy. Just start where you're at. Just use what you have in your hand. And do what you can. We can only do what God equipped us to do. It doesn't matter how great or how small the task may be. Every member of the body of Christ is significant. No part of the body, no member is insignificant. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 26 reads it this way. Just as a body, though one may have many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. If there were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker or indispensable and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modest. Well, our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together giving greater honor to the parts that lack it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, listen, every part suffers. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Whatever you do is significant to God. Defending himself with only an an ox goat in his hand and defeating 600 Philistines definitely qualifies Shemgar as a a champion server for God. It doesn't matter if he defeated them all at once or on different occasions. What matters is that he did what he could. 
You see, folks, God is not asking you to go over and beyond your capabilities. He's asking you to do what you can. If we're faithful to begin to do the small task that God asks us to do, then God is faithful to entrust you with the greater things in life. In the parable of the talents, the master rewards the, the faithful servants who served well. And Matthew twenty five twenty one reads it this way. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Then he says this. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Something happens when you serve. Joy comes into your heart. Shemgar's name was written in God's word, which tells me that he did something right. Shemgar stepped up to the plate when Ehad was done. He did what he had to do in the time and the place he was at. We are are all at different levels in our walk with Christ. And I'm going to ask you this. Just serve at the level you're at. If you're concerned about failing and you're contemplating and you want to bury your talent, then failure will surely come your way. The only people I know that never failed is the ones that never tried. Remain focused this year on who God is making you to be as the church, the body of Christ. Can one person make a difference? Absolutely. Absolutely. You may not be able to do something better like others. You may not get your name written in the headlines. But if you do what you can, God will certainly bless what you do. Our father was discussing with his son why the young man should do everything he can and why he shouldn't quit. The father said, Think of all the great leaders of of history who did their best. Take Abraham Lincoln. He didn't quit. Thomas Edison. He didn't quit. Douglas MacArthur. He didn't quit. Elmo McLimbo. The son replied, who's that, Dad? You see, you don't remember him. He quit. (laughs) What can one person do? What can you do? In Judges 3, there's only one verse about this man, Shemgar. Was what he did significant? Did he please God? It was significant to God. It was to his family and it was to his nation. The Bible says, he too saved Israel. What are we going to do for our brothers who don't know him? Because you can begin right where you are. And you can use what you have in your hand. And you can do what you can. And we can begin to save our brothers who don't know him. Let's just start where we are. Amen? You may close your Bibles and and put away your notes. I'm going to give you an opportunity to serve. Coming this May, 
I oversee the prison ministry and I went to a camp on Oahu. And that camp was for children of incarcerated parents. There were many breakthroughs for these kids. And I saw lives change and, and, and their hearts change towards their, their incarcerated parents through, through forgiveness and through love and through trust again. It was so powerful that it cost us $16,000 just to take 10 children to Oahu. Well, this past Christmas, we served over 127 kids to the angel tree. And it's through that list that I'm going to bring that camp here to the Big Island. So that we just don't touch 10. Who knows what we can touch in that 120, 150. So I'm going to bring that camp and I'm giving you guys the opportunity. We're going to have that camp and it's going to be in May 24th to the 27th. A four day camp for these kids. And there's a lot of opportunities to serve at that camp. I don't know what's in your hand. But I'm sure God can use you just where you're at. So there's some opportunities. If that's on your heart and you want to help with that, I've got some some volunteers application. We do need to have a background check because we'll be working with kids. God wants to use you. Be like Shamgar. Just step up. Amen? Would you stand as we close? Remember to start just where you are. Don't wait for the perfect circumstance or don't wait for the perfect opportunity. Just start where you're at. Use what you have in your hand. Use the gift God gave you and do what you can with it. Here's what I say. When you do that, you're not just stepping up to serve. You're stepping up to the throne room of God because that's where He blesses us. Amen? Always remember this. It's only through a God like Him that we can do all things. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.